Hello, I do want to welcome you to Bible Studies with Russ as we pick up today in Joshua chapter 4, uh, looking at verse 8. This is study number number 4 today. Uh, last time, if you remember, we finished by looking at the memorial stones mentioned here in Joshua chapter 4. Uh, this is after they had crossed over the uh, the Jordan, not the Red Sea, but the Jordan. This time, the second time, the Lord had parted waters for the people to walk through on dry land. And so we find here uh, the commandment at the end of chapter 3 for them to uh, build up um, build up these stones. And then, let's see, it's, it's beginning at chapter 4 here, actually. Um, in chapter 4, when they when they build up these stones, these stones, these memorial stones, and they were to, as the Bible says there in verse 8, uh, uh, which would be verse 6 and 7 of Joshua 4. Uh, that was, so when their sons and daughters asked them what these stones mean, they could tell them about this event, the crossing over the Jordan on dry land. Okay, so Joshua chapter 4 and verse 8. Here the Bible says, And the children of Israel did so, just as Joshua commanded, and took out twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, as the Lord had spoken to Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them to the place where they lodged, and laid them down there. Then Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood. And there they are till this to this day, Joshua 4 and verse 9. Uh, something like this set of 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan is a second set. Uh, this would be uh, the 12 uh, Gilgal and then 12 middle of the Jordan. If this is a second set of stones. They were set up in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priest stood who bore the Ark of the Covenant. Others think this ought to be translated Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan where the priest stood. Uh, this seems to be, as Bear Passion says here, he says this seems to be the better idea because if this this is the second set, they would always have they would they have they would have always been underwater because the Jordan continued flowing after this. So the interpretation depends on how the verb forms are translated. He says he says also the last clause indicates that these stones could still be seen when this book was being written, and so uh, as Bear Passion points out. Uh, Others seem uh, think this ought to be translated. Joshua set the twelve stones that had been in the window of the Jordan where the priest stood. Uh, so, verse ten. Uh, for the priests, uh, so the priests who, who bore the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished. That the Lord had commanded Joshua to speak to the people, according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua, and the people hurried and crossed over. So we find people. Uh, excuse me. Everyone, uh, everyone has been doing. Basically, everyone's doing what they're supposed to be doing, and they're hurrying across the Jordan, and, and the people hurried and crossed over. Verse ten, verse eleven. So it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over that the ark of the Lord and the priests crossed over in the presence of the people, and the men of Reuben, the men of Gad, and the half tribe of Manasseh crossed over armed before the armed before the children of Israel. As Moses had spoken to them. About forty thousand prepared appeared for war crossed over before the Lord for battle. Uh, to the plains of Jericho, there in verse 13. So 40,000 were prepared for war. These men passed before the Lord for the battle on the plains of Jericho, there in verse 14. Then the Lord spoke to Joshua, here in verse 15, uh, saying, Command the priests who bear the ark of the testimony to come up from the Jordan. Joshua therefore commanded the priests, saying, Come up from the Jordan. 
And it came to pass, and the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord had come from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet touched the dry land, and the waters of the Jordan returned to their place, and overflowed all its banks as before. Verse 18. So this verse tells us exactly what happened when the aforementioned command was given. Uh, the priests who bore the ark came up out of the river. When the feet touched the dry land, the waters of Jordan started running again. Not only did the, did the river run, but it ran at flood stage as the waters were running before. Uh, and so everything returned like it was before. After they had crossed over on dry land, after everyone had done what the Lord had commanded them, after the priests had obeyed all those things, and their feet touched dry land again on the other side. Uh, verse 19, Now the people came up from the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they camped in Gilgal on the east, uh, east board, border of Jericho. Uh, this happened on the 10th day of the first month. This means that it had been 40 years since they had left Egypt. 40 years since they had left Egypt. Uh, then they camped at Gilgal on the east board, uh, border of Jericho. This is about three miles southeast of Jericho and very close to the Jordan River. Uh, this was where they camped on the first day after crossing Jordan. This was not a town or village, but a place where the Israelites camped. So basically there was nothing there at this point. Uh, Verse 20, and, these, me, and, and those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, what are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God and dried up the waters of the, of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, as the Lord your, your God did to the Red Sea, when he, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. That all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Um, and so, verse 20, uh, these twelve stones which have been taken out of Jordan, Joshua set up here. This verse may need to be considered in interpretation to verse 9, where the person points out. Many events will take place in Gilgal in addition to what has already happened. Here all the males born in the wilderness will be circumcised. Gilgal was a kind of fortified camp in which Joshua returned often. And here they separated the first Passover in this new promised land. Um, again, verse 21, the reason why these stones uh, are there, and that's given. So that when anyone asks, including their children, they can tell them what happened. Verse 24, um, that all the people... A lot of peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord. It is mighty that you may fear the Lord your God forever. The people may know the power of the Lord. The power of the Lord. Okay, now chapter 5 of Joshua. The Bible says, So it was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we had crossed over, that their heart melted, and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. And so this verse speaks to the effect of the miracle of the Jordan River had on the minds of the Amorites and the Canaanites. The Amorites were located on the west side of the Jordan. The Canaanites were by the sea, possibly south, but on the west side of the Dead Sea. Uh, when the kings heard of these uh, these people, how her, when the kings of these people heard how the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan River, their heart melted. Um, this was also mentioned back when we discussed the uh, Rahab the harlot. Remember us talking about that there? How the people were afraid because they had heard what the Lord had done with Israel, uh, the power that uh, He has shown. Uh, 
numerous times. Verse 2 says, At that time the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives for yourself, and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. So Joshua made, knives, made flint knives for himself, and circumcised the sons of Israel at the heel of the foreskins. Uh, verse 2 and 3. The word again means to begin this religious practice again. Obviously, you cannot circumcise someone twice, uh, but it means it was time to circumcise people again. That's all he's talking about there. Uh, these sharp knives, verse 3, were probably made out of stone. This place where this was accomplished was afterward known as the Heel of Foreskins. I mean, wow. Okay. <laughs> Some of the names you think, I, you know, honestly, we'd pick a different name, right? But the idea there being this is where they were circumcised, right? I think I might have picked the heel of circumcision or something, but foreskins, whatever. Um, yeah, that's where it happened. Okay. Uh, interesting name, but that, named because of what took place there. Verse 4. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt who were males, all the men of war who had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. For all the people who came out had not had came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. So that's why they were being circumcised, right? That's why you see this a second time. Verse six: The children of Israel walked forty years in the wilderness till all the people who were who were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord to whom the Lord swore that He would show them the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers He would give us a land flowing with milk and honey. And so basically what happened, these are people who were born in the wilderness uh, during that time. As you saw there in verse uh, verse 5, for the people who had been, came, out, ha, came out had been circumcised, while the people born in the wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised, verse 5. And so these are the children of those who have been disobedient. Well, now they have to be circumcised, right? And that's what we find there in verse 6. Um Verse 7, Then Joshua circumcised their sons whom he raised up in their place, for they were circumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. And so again, what's, what's, what's happening? God commanded everybody to be circumcised. And what's, so what's Joshua doing? He's going through those who have not been circumcised, those who are born in the wilderness, those types of things. They all were circumcised. Why? That was God's command. And in all reality, that's all that matters. God commanded you to be circumcised. You were circumcised. That was it. Uh, also, we do know, we do understand, of course, it was a sign of, God, of being one of God's chosen people, uh, being part of Israel. Uh, and it was a command of God, and so they had to be circumcised. Verse 8, so it was, when they had finished circumcising all the people, that they stayed in their places in the camp till they were healed. Obviously, after something like that, you, you want to stay still and rest. You want to heal. The body has to heal. Um, you know, the Lord requires things to people but at different times as well you also see where the see numerous times where the lord is merciful right he doesn't want them to go and continue on he says what stay and rest i mean obvious reasons right um this what they were obeying god's commands and part of god's commands after being circumcised was to allow them to heal um verse 9 then the Lord said to Joshua, This day have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore, the name of this place is called Gilgal to this day. Uh, verse 9. And so, the Israelites were, were, would consider it a great shame to be, to be like the uncircumcised Egyptians. So, this shame and disgrace was lifted when all the males were circumcised. 
this place was called Gilgal, which means rolling. Next to the text, a, uh, I rolled away. Uh, many great and important events happened at this place, as, as we'll see later. The first Passover in Canaan was observed here, as we'll see in the next verse. It was a base of the actions of war and taking over the land of Canaan. It was from here that Joshua led the attack of Jericho, and it was from here that Joshua took over the southern areas of Palestine. Uh, and so Gilgal was a very important uh, place. Uh, verse 10. Verse 10 says here, Now the, now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. And so while the Israel was camped in Gilgal, they kept the Passover. More precisely, the Passover was observed in the plains of Jericho. There would, be, there would have been plenty of supply uh, of grain in the barns of, of those who had farmed and gathered this grain in their barns. The English people called this uh, grain corn. Uh, verse 11, And they ate of the produce of the land on the, on the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. So this verse actually tells of the eating of the old, of the old corn or the grain. They did this uh, the day after the Passover, including unleavened cakes or bread and parched corn or parched grain. Uh, verse 12 says, and Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land. And children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. So verse 12 indicates this is where... Uh, the feeding from God of manna from heaven, this is where it came to an end because now they're feeding off, they're being fed by the, by the land, off the produce of the land. And so you really kind of, the idea, you know, they're brought out of Egypt and they're fed, literally fed from, from, from heaven by God until they get to the point where now they can eat off the produce of the land. It's just like a child, you know, they, they, they nurse until they're able to uh, move on to, to, to something else and then, to, you know, maybe to formula or whatever, and then later into to more solid food, uh, closer to closer to solid food, things like that. As, he, as they get older, the food changes. Here, uh, it is, they have crossed over, they progressed to this point where now they can live off the produce of the land where they are, where they are at now, they're in verse 12. And so the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year, verse 12. Uh, verse 13 says, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? Uh, when they came to Jericho, Joshua looked and saw a man standing, standing in his hand as a sword and drawn. Um, but the Patterson says here, again, the only commentary I referred to during these studies, uh, says with, uh, he, says, I, he, he says here, I must say with great courage, Joshua approached him and asked him, are you for us or against us, for adversaries or enemies? And I agree with Brother Patterson there. He shows a lot of courage, which remember back in Joshua 1, God told him you have to be strong and very courageous. Here's a glimpse of it, verse 13. You see a man sitting there with a sword drawn in his hand, and Joshua says, walks up and says, you with us or without, or are, you, are you against us? <laughs> That's bold. It's like walking up today, someone who has a gun in their hand saying, are you my friend or are you my enemy? That's basically what Joshua is saying. That takes a lot of guts. A lot of guts. He had on his uh, big boy pants, his leader pants that day, and he, kept, he keeps them on as we go through this. Uh, verse 14, so he said, no, but as a commander of the, of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And so verse 14, um, 
And we see there that at uh, he he says here I am the command I am the captain and commander of the host of the army of the Lord. So uh, hearing this, realizing this, Joshua fell on his face to the ground, uh, no doubt showing respect and fear for God's messenger. Uh, no doubt this is uh, seems to be here a uh, some type of a a miraculous messenger, uh, you know, sent from God. Uh, there's not a whole lot of detail here mentioned in verse 13 and 14. Because uh, you back into verse 13 here, it simply says a man stood opposite him. But the word man there, at least in New King James, is capitalized uh, there in verse 13. could be a reference, it could be capitalized because it's a reference to a man of God, uh, a man sent by God. Uh, whatever the case may be, uh, we find in verse 14, he says here is a commander of the army of the Lord, and I have now come. That's what do you say? What do you do? You do what Joshua does. You fall down. And you say, "Tell me what to do. I'm yours. Command me." Right? That's what he's saying in verse 14. Now, what does now what does my Lord say to his servant? I'm his servant. What does the Lord want me to do? Just tell me where to go. That's the response you want. God wants from us each and every time, every day of our lives. That's what the Lord wants to hear. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Not whining, complaining. Not you know why? You know why are we here? You know not you know. Can we, we can't survive with the produce, the produce of the land. There was no complaining. In verse 14, it was just, what do you want me to do? What does the Lord say to his servant? Uh, that is a statement uh, or a question, rather, of of uh, tremendous faith and obedience by Joshua saying, what what I do? Just tell me. Just tell me what to do. Uh, verse 15, Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Take your take your basically the idea of take your your shoes off because you're standing as holy ground. Joshua did it. Okay, I'll take my shoes off. It's holy. Why? Because God's messenger is speaking to him, and God's messenger just said it's holy where you're at now. So take your shoes off. So he does so. Um, you know that may sound like okay. Well, that's you know that doesn't sound like much. No, it is. Every sign of obedience is important. Because any sign of disobedience is showing that you don't, you're not believing God's word. You don't, you're not relying on Him. Joshua is showing that he he believes God. He believes His word, and he is relying on Him. Take your sandal off your foot for the place where you stand is holy. Joshua did so. If if someone is not willing to do, I mean, we understand this is a holy place where he's at there in verse 15 of Joshua 5. He's speaking with someone who is, as he says, he's a commander of the Lord's army. Um. And he tells him what to do, and Joshua does it. And Joshua was to to balk at that. You think he'd still be God's uh, chosen leader, not without great uh, <laughs> uh, rebuking. In chapter six, Joshua verse one, chapter six, Joshua, Joshua six verse one. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, and none came in. Uh, it was securely shut up because of the children of Israel, which means they were afraid. <laughs> um, it's easy for us today to look back and say, well, yeah, they should have been. But they had seen and heard, some of them had seen, perhaps, some of them have, have heard of others who had first, maybe first-hand account, whatever it may be. Uh, basically, the idea we find here is that God's people are capable of doing almost anything because the Lord is with them. God's power is seen through them. And so Jericho shows they're afraid because their entire city is shut up. Uh, Jericho was clearly shut up again because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. No one, no one left. No one came in. It, 
shut down. It was locked down, right? Uh, why? Because they're afraid of God's people. And they're afraid of God's people, the children of Israel, because God is with them. And they understand that if God wants them to be destroyed, they're going to be destroyed. So let's look at verse 2 now. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and a mighty man of valor. What, what is God saying? They're yours. They're all yours. What does he tell Joshua to do? Just obey me, and here's what you need to do. If you do what I tell you, you know, there's so many things we see here where it's just a test of faithfulness. Because marching around the city in all reality, that doesn't bring down a wall. What brought down the wall was their obedience to God's command, and God responded by bringing down the wall. God brought it down. Their obedience brought about God doing that. But walking around a city, that doesn't do anything. Blowing trumpets, I mean, people, I'm sure some critic out there is saying, well, the trumpet blasts were so loud that it weakened the walls and, and the trembling of the, the marching. Give me a break. No, it came down because God saw they obeyed his commands as we're going to go through this. And what happened? The walls fell. That is why, in verse 1, the city is, is shut up. That's also why, as we saw earlier in chapter 5, just as we did back with, uh, uh, or excuse me, back in chapter 4, with Rahab the harlot, where the people are mentioned as being uh, fearful, uh, how their hearts melted. Why? Because God could wipe them out. And they feared Israel, the church of Israel, because they were God's people. And so in verse 1 of chapter 6, the city is locked up, and the Lord says in verse 2, this is because of me. It's not because of you. It's because of me. It's not because of the people of Israel. It's because of me. You have crossed over the, 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 the Red Sea. You have crossed over now the Jordan. And you have obeyed me. You have, you have circumcised those who were not circumcised. You have kept the Passover. You have done all these things. And now you brought up here, look, uh, the people of Jericho are scared to death. Look at verse 2. I have given Jericho into your hand. It's king. Jericho into your hand, a reference to the people of Jericho. It's king, so it's leaders. And the mighty men of valor, meaning all their soldiers. Everybody is what? They're afraid. And look what God requires of them. You shall march around the city, all you men of, of war. You shall go all around the city once. This day you shall do, this you shall do six days. So every for six days, walk around the city one time. Right? Verse 3. Verse 4, And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. On what? On the seventh day, right? And it shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout. Then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up every man straight before him. Did the trumpet blast literally cause the walls to fall? Did there... Did their marching around the city for you know once a day for seven for six days? Did that cause the walls to be weakened? Did their marching on the seventh day and the blasting cause the walls to weaken and to fall? No, God caused it to fall because they did what God commanded them to do. That's what brought it down. God's power came about came was shown forth here because of their obedience. The marching and the horn blast that was just part of God's command. God just said, walk up to the wall. Okay, you ready? Okay, I'm going to knock it down now. That's all he had to do, to be honest. Uh, but instead, he wanted them to what? Let's see some obedience. March around the city once once a day for six days. Okay, the seventh day, march around six times, right? Was that what it was? Um, 
Let's see here, verse uh, 4. She'll bear seven trumpets of horns in the ark, verse 4. But the seventh day she'll march around the city seven times, sorry. And the priest shall blow the trumpets. Those things have nothing to do with the wall coming down. It's still God. And it shall come to pass when they make a long blast of the ram's horn. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city will fall down flat. Why? Because when they do that, they would have obeyed all of God's command concerning that. And so by them, by them doing all those things, what happened? Why would it fall down flat? Because they have obeyed, and God said, there you go. And the people shall go up, every man straight before him. Verse 5. Verse 6. And Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, what? Do exactly what the Lord had, had do exactly what the Lord has said, right? I mean, it's here's what you want to do, Joshua. Joshua said, "Okay, here's what we're going to do: uh, take up the ark of the covenant, verse six, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord." And he said to the people, "Proceed and march on the city, and let him who is armed advance before the ark of the Lord." So it was when Joshua had spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. The armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard came up after the ark while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. Now Joshua commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until I say to you, Shout, then you shall shout. So he, so he had the ark of the Lord circle the city going around at once, and they came into the camp and lodged, lodged in the camp. Um, so they did blow every, every, every day, verse 8. I think I said before they don't blew in the last day, but they blew, they blew every day, right? Uh, for the priests, they blew the trumpets, the rear guard, all those things, right? But what? It wasn't going to be finished until they obeyed all of God's commands. You know, it's easy for people. It would be easy for them to say, "Why can't we just walk up and just march around at once, and then shout, and then do the sun in the day?" Why don't we do it for seven days? There's all types of opportunities for people to complain. And we, if we know the history of Israel, and we know that how people are in general, you think there are people there who probably who probably did that? It's a possibility. The Bible doesn't mention it, uh, and maybe there wasn't. But you know, we know that by them doing this. Every single day, and then and then all being obeyed, doing all those things on the seventh day, as we'll see in a moment in verse fifteen, uh, God rewarded their their obedience by bringing down the walls of Jericho and giving the you know they be able to see. Look, let's go take the city because it has been given to them, right? Uh, verse twelve, and Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord there in verse twelve, right? Verse thirteen, then the seven priests. Uh, bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew with the trumpets. And the armed men went before them, but the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord, while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp, so they did six days. Verse 15, But it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early, about the dawning of the day, and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day only they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened, when the priests blew the trumpets, that Joshua said to the people, Shout, the Lord has given you the city. You, you know, when I read those words, it's, one of those, it's kind of like one of those things you hear right before a football game where everybody starts yelling right before the kickoff. And you hear someone saying, you know, let's go, let's go, let's go. And then you hear the, the kick, you know, and off they go. Verse 16, that's what I think about here, just that building up, building up. And he says, Shout, the Lord is giving you the city. You think they were quiet? I think they were extremely loud when they shouted. When he says shout, they shouted. I'm not going to shout in the microphone, but they did. 
Verse 17, Now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction, it and all who are in it. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all who are with with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. And you, by all means, abstain from the accursed things, lest you be accursed when you take of the accursed things, and make the camp of Israel accursed and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come to the treasury of the Lord. And so they're instructed here in verse 18 to stay away from the accursed things. That is, uh, those things have been devoted to idolatry, and those things have just been right out forbidden. If they do not keep away from them, uh, from what is accursed, they will they will make themselves accursed and therefore be destroyed. Plus they, have, plus they also make the camp of Israel accursed and trouble, which means they're going to bring on hardship. And so what does um, Joshua say here? Don't touch it. That's what he says here, right? Uh, abstain from the cursed things, lest you be lest you be accursed when you take of the cursed things and make the camp of Israel accursed and trouble it. Could you see the word, you notice how the, a cursed is used and the word cursed is used several times in verse 18? You know, the point is, stay away from it. You don't, first of all, they don't need their idols. Why you will mess with them in the first place? It's a command of God. As we also see here, uh, they were to abstain from keeping these things. We saw, uh, as we've been mentioning here in Joshua 8, verse or later in Joshua 8, verse 27, um, in many circumstances, they, they they could keep the spoils in Joshua eight twenty seven, for example. But here, it's the, these things are many things are belong or been used for idol for idolatry, and they've just been out outright forbidden. And so, what does he say? Don't touch it; you'll be cursed, and you'll bring a curse upon us, meaning hardship. Right? I remember also these people were. Uh, were incredible idolaters. In this city, nothing was to be spared except Rachel, uh, or uh, Rahab here. I think it says Rachel, but uh, in this commentary, it's Rahab. And those in her house, right? Verse 18. Uh, Verse 19. But all the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron, things that were not used for idolatry, are consecrated to the Lord, which means they go to God. And to be honest, um, that's fair. (laughs) everybody's scared to death of us. God is in all these things for us. We don't need silver or gold in the first place, right? The Lord provides. Okay, we'll take it in. That's That should be general, the general response. But we don't find anything, at least not at this point, uh, to show them arguing against that. But all the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come to the treasure of the Lord. Uh, so the people, verse 20, uh, shouted with, with when the priests blew the trumpets, and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpets, um, and it, uh, when they heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat, then the people went up into the city and every man straight before him and they took the city. They took the city. Uh, we're going to stop there because we are at a time. When we come back next time, we'll pick up in chapter 6 and verse 21. But encouraging things. I mean, when I read, as you build up to chapter 6, it's just... You know, here it comes, the big battle, the big war, and it's just the Lord's gave it to them. Just go in and take it. Uh, tremendous blessings come as a result of obedience. Okay, we're going to stop there today. I do think you're being here with me on Bible Studies of the Russ. Hope you enjoyed this program, and hope you join me again next time as we pick up in Joshua 6 and verse 22.